If you would, please turn in your Bible to the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews, chapter 1. We are continuing in a series. We just last week began a series in the book of Hebrews entitled, Jesus is Better. You know, in the sports world, there is a fascination with who is the most valuable player, the MVP. Uh, There's also a, a fascination in other worlds, like with celebrities of all types, that people pay big money to buy tickets to go see certain celebrities, either the movie they made or the concert that they are putting on. And the more famous someone is, the more those tickets tend to cost. Uh, A lunch, there was a lunch that got auctioned with a financial guru, uh, Mr. Warren Buffett. It it went went to auction to have lunch with him so that you could get some financial advice from him. The lunch auction went for $19 million to have lunch. And I'm thinking that must have been some hamburger at $19 million. You know, there's lots of people when you get into who, who are the most valuable people, who's the most valuable person. There's a lot of seeking that. The book of Hebrews makes the case that Jesus Christ is the most valuable person. There's no auction that you have to enter and win. There's no tickets necessary. You and I can have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is real. He's not made up, even though you and I cannot see him physically now. He's real. He has always existed. There is no point where Jesus was not. He, at at a point, became, took on a human flesh, became a man. He really lived. He really died. He really rose again from the dead. He ascended, and now, Scripture tells us, he sits at the Father's right hand until his return. And he's going to return. And the book of Hebrews makes the case that Jesus is better And it makes this case because I think we can often be fascinated by things other than Jesus, more than Jesus, other people, other things. We can look to other people to give us what Jesus already provides for us. So Hebrews chapter 1, this translates into Jesus is better than angels. Jesus is better than angels. So that's the title of the message this morning because it's the focus of these verses. Now, I think when I I was first diving into this, I was thinking, who in the world thinks that Jesus is less than angels? I mean, I feel like I could interview a five-year-old this morning and be like, hey, is Jesus better than angels? And the five-year-old would go, yes, Mr. Law, Jesus is better than angels. And I'd say, see, we heard it. We don't need a sermon on it. We don't need to spend time on this passage. We're all agreed. I think, you know, maybe for Jehovah's Witnesses, many of you know, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is an archangel. So it could be like, well, maybe this passage is for them. But God never does a, hey, this passage is just for them. He always does it as this is for us. This is what he wants to show us. And so this category of Jesus is better than angels, it speaks to what are you and I most fascinated by? 
What angels were and still are fascinating. I remember growing up, there was that show, Touched by an Angel. That was really popular, just that idea of like, whoa, you could see one. Um, you don't need a Netflix special to know that, Jesus, that angels are real. All you need is your Bible. Because over 200 times in God's Word, in 33 of the 66 books of the Bible, angels are mentioned, and sometimes many times. They are, angels are created, spiritual beings who do God's bidding. Perhaps the original recipients of the book of Hebrews were more fascinated with angels than they were with Jesus. What are you and I most fascinated by? What do you find yourself thinking about? What do you find yourself drawn to? Talking about? Is it, is it what's going on with politics? Is it what's going on on YouTube? Some silly video? Is it advances in, in technology or human progress? I, I remember once, one of my first jobs as an engineer, I was working at my desk, and all of a sudden there was like this mass exodus of people leaving the building. And I, I didn't hear a fire alarm. I, that was my first thought. I was like, is there a fire? Did I miss the alarm? They're just all walking out. And I asked them, I was like, Where, where's everybody going? And they said, oh, the space shuttle's about to launch. And so, I mean, this is a big building full of people, a thousand people outside looking up to the sky, fascinated. And Jesus is better than angels, raises this question, what are you and I most fascinated by? Most fascinated by? Is it Jesus or is it something else? And this, all, this, this category of Jesus is better than angels also speaks to where do we look for help? In the Bible, we see many instances of angels helping people. And perhaps the recipients of this book were looking to angels as persecution was increasing. We all look for help somewhere. That's why we call friends. That's why we call somebody who we think is an expert. That's why all my plumbing questions go to Eddie. I call Eddie. Like, I need wisdom here for my plumbing disasters. Sometimes people contact and want to talk to me, even though they've never met me before. They just want to talk to a pastor, as though this guy who I don't know is going to be able to help me. You know, I've heard people cry out to their dead relatives. Talk to their dead relatives. Uh, at, at times, I did some short-term mission work. I watched people give sacrifices to their dead relatives. Uh, we were talking recently with some neighbors. They were celebrate, celebrating Advent, and they're Roman Catholic. And so they're talking about all the saints. And there's the Virgin Mary. And there's all these, like, if I need help, who am I going to go to? And so Hebrews 1 speaks to this. Are you and I looking to Jesus or are we looking somewhere else? So Jesus is better. So if you have your Bible open to Hebrews 1, let's begin reading in verse 4. Hebrews 1 verse 4. 
This is speaking of Jesus having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds, and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Let's pray. Ask for God's help together. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for moments like this where you speak to the things that are going on behind the scenes in our lives, things that we're fascinated by, things we're looking for help. Lord, that your word speaks to this, that you're directing us to you and to your Son. I pray you'd help us to receive it this morning. I pray you'd help us to be transformed, that the, the word that comes from you and is at work would be at work in us today. That's what we desire, Lord. Have your way. Accomplish your work by your word in our lives. Lord, I thank you that we can be hidden in Christ. Just as we sang today, that we can have a man here, that, that's a man hidden in Christ, his God. That's a woman hidden in Christ, her God. I thank you, Lord, that that makes all the difference in the world. Lord, we do just lift up the needs in our midst today. I just I pray for Kelly Lanham as she goes to give birth tomorrow. Lord, your grace upon her and that family. Lord, all of us as we are witnesses and we are going about, Lord, I pray you'd help us to invite others to Alpha and that you would give us opportunity and that people would come and hear about Jesus. Lord, we pray today just that you would continue to stem the tide in our nation and around the world, this tide of abortion, this, these people choosing to kill their own children. Lord, I pray just a, an awakening of conscience, and would you help us as a church to continue to respond, respond with compassion, respond with offering the hope of the gospel, 
that respond with offering repentance and forgiveness to those who repent. Lord, offering help, practical help. Lord, this is the age in which we live. We don't get to choose the issues of our age. Help us. Help us to be your light and your salt here and now. And help me, Lord, as I preach this morning, help me to be the first one ready to apply these verses, that they would affect my heart and our hearts. And we pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you recall from last week's sermon, the book of Hebrews was written to a church or a small group of believers who were experiencing increased persecution. Uh, People were, especially the state, was against them in a way that it hadn't been before. And some in the church were considering abandoning Jesus. Some were considering going back to Judaism. Some were becoming spiritually lazy. Uh, there, There were those that were afraid to gather together out of fear that they were going to get caught or persecuted, so they were stopping. They were becoming infrequent in gathering together as a church. Later in the book, we'll see there's this warning against apostasy, going away from the Lord. And so the fascination that these folks needed, the help that they needed is found in Jesus. That's why he's writing this letter, and that's why he continues to lift up Jesus. But before we make our way through the different verses here, I want us to notice a few things. Did you notice that there are a lot of quotes from the Old Testament? If your Bible's like mine, I have it all indented with every quote. It's like, it's like solid quotes. Seven Old Testament quotes. It almost fills up the chapter. Uh, Notice that the quotes alternate. They they have to do with either God's Son or angels. So of the seven quotes, five of them have to do with God's Son, and two of them have to do with angels. In fact, the writer introduces the quote about the Son, saying, For to which of the angels did God ever say? He uses that phrase twice. He's implying So much more was said about Jesus than about angels. So much more was promised about Jesus than about angels. If someone wants to know that Jesus is better than angels, you don't need to go to the New Testament. No, no, no. You you can go to the Old Testament. There is so much more that's said about the Messiah and God coming. And that's because the Old Testament is about Jesus. Now, last week I, I recommended a book. Uh, you all responded well. You, I sold all the copies last week. By the way, I'm not being paid to sell these books. These are for your upbuilding and benefit. But we have five more copies. It's a book called Hebrews for You by Michael Kruger. And I commend it to you as just a great resource to help deepen your study of this book together. Michael Kruger, he puts it this way. He says, the Old Testament doesn't just speak about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I love that. I I think this is one of the most helpful insights from the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews talks a lot about Jesus and quotes the Old Testament 35 times. 
So it's telling us, it's pointing us. The, the, the Old Testament shows us it's all about Jesus. It shows us humanity's need for a Savior. It shows us God's desire to provide a Savior. It's the unfolding of His plan. The moral law, the ceremonial law, the civil law, the sacrifices, the prophets, the priests, the kings, the wisdom. It all points us to Jesus. And then I want us to notice a third thing. Notice how God says things in Hebrews 1. Look at verse 5, 6, 7, 8, and 13. It opens with the word, God says, or God said. So God, we already know this. God is a speaking God. He says things. But over and over again, He says, He says, He says, He says, He says. How does He say? He says with Scripture. The Bible is His Word. All of the Old Testament passages in Hebrews 1 were written down by men. Some of the passages are the men's words themselves about God and about His Son. And yet the writer of the Hebrews says these words that are written down, this is God speaking. And this is how He speaks. What the Bible says, get this, what the Bible says, God says. And it's, it's a game changer for over and over again to say, yeah, he, this, it, not just this writer who said that or wrote, wrote this thing down, but this is God saying things. So with these seven quotes, the writer gives us reasons why Jesus is better than angels. He's better than angels, firstly, because... Jesus receives worship. Angels give worship. Jesus receives worship. Angels give worship. Look at verse five and verses five and six again. For to which of the angels did God ever say, "You are my son; today I have begotten you"? Or again. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he's referring to Jesus there as the heir of all things. When he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. So the writer, he begins by quoting Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. And Psalm chapter 2 is what's called an enthronement psalm. It was spoken having to do with a king being enthroned or installed. And it's not just for any king. Uh, Psalm 2 verse 2 tells us that the king being enthroned is the Messiah, the anointed one. Psalm 2 verse 11 says that the king being enthroned is none other than the Lord Yahweh himself. And so Psalm 2-7 tells us that the king is God's son. You are my son. And so that's the first quote. God wasn't referring to any angels when he said, you are my son. The second quote in verse 5 is from 2 Samuel 7-14. God was talking to King David. God told David that he would be a father to one of his descendants, and that, that descendant would be 
God's son. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Well, this is the name that Jesus inherited. This is what makes him more excellent than angels. He has the name uniquely God's Son. Jesus is God. Jesus is the unique Son of God. He's the heir. 100% of the inheritance is his. It's not divided among the angels. He doesn't share his glory or his inheritance with angels. And so this is what God says about Jesus. What does He say about angels in comparison? Verse 6, let all God's angels worship Him. Jesus receives worship. Angels give worship. They're that different. They're not close. They're that distinct that Jesus actually receives their worship. And it puts him on a whole nother plane. And we see this played out in other places in the Bible. Uh, in Matthew 4, Jesus is talking to Satan. He's refuting his temptations. And he says, only God should be worshipped. Matthew 4.10, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. In Acts 10, verse 25, Peter tells Cornelius. Cornelius had bowed down to worship Peter. Peter says, stand up. I too am a man. In Revelation 19, the apostle John falls down and begins to worship an angel, and the angel says, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Only God is to be worshiped. Jesus is to be worshipped. Jesus is God. That's the implication. Jesus receives worship and the angels give worship. And so that means Jesus is better. He's the one we should go to. He's the one we should praise. He's the one that we should adore. He is the one we should be most fascinated with. He is the one we should seek help from. Because he's better. Jesus receives worship. Angels give worship. The second comparison in these verses is that Jesus creates. Angels were created. Go to verse 7 again. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. This is a quote from Psalm 104, verse 4. And the key word there is, He makes. He makes angels. Angels are created beings. And our tendency, this humanity, natural tendency, is to look to created things for things that only the Creator can satisfy. I guess what Romans 1 says the main problem is we start looking this way, horizontally, when we should be looking vertically to the Lord. And so look at the contrast, verses 8 and 9. So he says, they, angels are made, verse 8, but of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. 
You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. This is a quote from Psalm 45. It was a, Psalm 45 is a, like a royal wedding psalm. It's written from the perspective of someone watching who calls the king, get this, he calls the king that he's watching God. He says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And then the psalmist refers to to God as the king's God. He says, therefore God, your God, has anointed you. So what what the writer of Hebrews is doing by cataloging all these verses, he's going back in in our Bibles, and he's like, hey, did you see this passage back here? This one right here? Did you see this? Because he's called God. Who do you think that was talking about? Who do you think is being referred to there? He's talking about the Son. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus' throne is forever and ever. Jesus has been anointed beyond his companions. You, me, the angels, anybody. He's better. And so the writer of the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, then continues piling it on. Look at verses 10 and 12. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth. And in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. This is a quote from Psalm 102. Jesus isn't just a king or a great king. He's the king whose throne lasts forever. He's the creator who outlasts all things in creation. And so the point being made is that Jesus is in a category by himself. He's the creator. And angels are part of the creation. You know, we continue to face Where are we going to look for help when we find ourselves in moments of need? And we can often begin by looking to things in creation. And this is one of the main themes that he's trying to to help that that fledging church with. Stop looking horizontally. Stop sizing up the persecution. Look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Him. You know, when you are stuck in a hospital and you've got no end in sight, or you feel like you've reached the end of your rope in some parenting struggle with a child, or you're discouraged by the state of affairs in this world, or you've just got some situation in your life going on that you're like, you know what, I'm in over my head. These are moments where we can then begin looking to other people and other things instead of our Creator King. Now, you know this, uh, many of you have been here for years, we need other people. We need each other. There's an abundance of wisdom, in, an abundance of counselors. Um, but n- and so none of these verses commend to us an isolated life, but here, here's the key word here. 
Where do you begin looking? Where do you start? We're commended to start with the Lord. We can begin with our own effort. We can begin by trying to find an expert or an advocate. Who's going to get me out of this? We could be tempted to try some very unbiblical things in order to find that silver bullet that's going to change our circumstances. What we need to do is begin by fixing our gaze on our Creator King Himself. Look to Jesus. Behold Jesus. We see Him in His glory. We see Him in the Word. Here's who he is, here's what he's done, and all of a sudden things come into better perspective. Jesus receives worship, angels give worship. Jesus creates, angels were created. A third way that Jesus is better is Jesus sits and angels serve. Look at verse 13. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So this final quote here is from Psalm 110. To sit at the Father's right hand, it's not just a place of honor, it's a place of rule. We saw that last week. He's seated at the right hand of God. Jesus sits. Angels don't sit. They don't rule. God alone rules. But instead, angels are sent out. It says they're sent out to serve. So in Hebrews 1, angels aren't being disregarded. They're not being demoted. Um, We're actually told in other places in the Bible, like Psalm 8, that actually angels are higher in rank than we are as human beings. So they're not being disregarded or demoted. Jesus is just being exalted. In comparison to Jesus, we all look small. And that includes angels. It's like angels are like a candle. Jesus is like the sun. That's what's getting portrayed for us in this. So angels, they serve those who are to inherit salvation. Angels, the angel's role is to do the serving. And Jesus' role is to do the saving. So we can receive the ministry of angels. It says they minister for people who are to inherit salvation. So even before people become aware or unaware Uh, Chapter 13 says, oftentimes we're unaware of angels. We can receive their ministry. But as great as they are, Jesus is better. He's able to save. He's able to help. He's able to deal with our greatest problem, which is that of sin. And He is the Son of God. He's the King enthroned forever and ever. He's the Creator all according to these Old Testament passages. Now, a few years ago, many of you may have seen the, uh, the AT&T ads um, where it says, just okay is not okay. And AT&T would, you know, bring in somebody like a doctor and 
They say, well, how, how good of a doctor is he? Yeah, he's just okay. And the person like panics. And they're like, just okay is not okay. You know, switch over to AT&T. It's the better network. Don't settle for less. Well, Jesus is being portrayed to us, church, as the best. Don't settle for treating him as less. I think if Jesus is small in our eyes, or if he's boring to us, we'll easily drift from him to other things. Hebrews is addressing and is going to address at length this tendency to drift. You and I, in our natural fleshly tendencies, we can tend to drift away from God, drift away from finding everything we need in Him. We easily become more fascinated by other things. We easily start looking for help from other people and other things. And so the writer of the Hebrews, and we'll see this more next week, The writer of the Hebrews is telling us to take care, to not drift, to fix our eyes and to to notice how glorious Jesus is, to notice how great and exalted and high above the nations He is, and to fix our gaze on Him. There's an old old hymn uh, called, Come Ye Sinners, Poor and Needy. And one of the lines in that is, let no other trust intrude, which is a great picture of drifting away from him. Let let there be nothing that takes his place and has his supremacy in your life and mine more than Jesus Christ. Well, if I could invite the worship team to return. Jesus is better than angels. On the surface, that doesn't look like a debatable thing, but when you realize it's all the things that we could be fascinated with or seek help from, it's very applicable. The people who received this letter for the first time, they were living at a time of great instability. And so what do they receive in this first chapter of Hebrews 1? They receive the stability of Jesus Christ. If you have him, makes all the difference in the world. He is stable because he, he has all things and he reigns over all things and he's going to be forever as God's son. And so we're invited in your time of great instability, be fascinated by Jesus. The stability that you need, that I need in the midst of an in, unstable world is found in Jesus alone. And so church, we come to him again and again, fixing our gaze on him and just seeing him in all of his glory and allowing that to work wonders in our souls. Let me pray for us. Oh, Heavenly Father, we, we desire that Now, we desire, Lord, to come to you and to be most fascinated by the things of God rather than the things of this world. Lord, we desire to come to you and begin by coming to you, asking for you for help and seeing in Jesus the help we actually need. Thank you, Lord, for being our intercessor. Thank you for being our great high priest who intercedes for me and us before the throne.
Thank you for giving us hope, Lord, both in this life and beyond the grave. Lord, where the world gives and can only give a flimsy hope, thank you for giving stability. Hope that lasts. We praise you and we desire to live for you in your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.